Preface This is the only place that you can learn leadership. It was a theme to which the Colonel frequently returned in the talks which brought to a close many of the weekly drill nights in the officer training corps at Oxford. After parade, followed by a couple of hours of lectures and training, about everything from map-reading, chemical warfare, first aid, and small unit tactics, to how to write a letter, or later, once I had joined the R.A. troop, tiring but exhilarating practice in taking the light guns into and out of action, we would file into a large and luxurious auditorium loaned from the, at least according to legend, fabulously rich University Air Squadron. By this time, most were impatient to be let loose on the mess, but being both teetotal and keen on military history, I rather enjoyed these sessions. For thirty minutes or so, the colonel, looking like a properly fed Monty, would talk about the attributes of a good leader, telling stories of Marlborough, Nelson, and Slim, and on occasions even the more unorthodox methods of Lawrence and Wingate. Sometimes he would show us a chart or diagram depicting the skills required to lead, but the assumption was always that leaders learned not so much from reading, instruction, and theory, but from doing. This is not to say that formal instruction and training is of no value, simply that on its own it is not enough. Experience is always the best tutor, and of course any system of training is really just an attempt to impart lessons from the experience and insights of others. Leaders matter. So, in their way for good or ill, does every individual person involved in any activity or project, but those with greater power and responsibility to direct an operation inevitably have more influence on events. I am not a soldier, nor in the solitary existence of a writer am I much called upon to lead or direct anyone else, a point brought home to me while writing this book when I gave a talk on Roman styles of leadership to a group of British Army officers. Two years in the Oxford University OTC represents the sum total of my military experience, and although I found it richly rewarding and illuminating, I doubt that it altered my essentially civilian status. It did serve as a useful reminder of how difficult it is to coordinate the movements of even a few hundred men, and helped to illustrate how much friction inevitably occurs even on exercise, the whole hurry-up-and-wait business so familiar to all those who have ever worn uniform. Perhaps even more valuable for the present topic, it provided many illustrations of the difference made by leaders. The best were not always especially visible, or even especially vocal. It was just that everything seemed to run smoothly whenever they were in charge. A university officer training corps is filled with young and inexperienced cadets, and inevitably contains a very broad range of talents. A minority were natural leaders, instinctively good at motivating and directing others, while the vast majority had to learn how to do this gradually, inevitably making mistakes along the way. A tiny handful would probably never learn, and in many ways the presence of a bad leader was far more obvious than a good one. This book is about some of Rome's most successful generals and their victories. Its concern is with establishing what happened during these specific campaigns, battles, and sieges, and especially with how the commander went about his task of leading and controlling an army. Roman generals received no formal training before being appointed to high commands, and whatever they had learned up to this point, they had learned by experience or in formal conversation and study. 
They were also selected as much, probably more, on the basis of family background and political connections as on any estimate of their ability. In a modern sense, they were amateurs, and so by extension unskilled and poor at their job. One of the themes of this book is to reject this assumption, for the standard of Rome's military leaders seems actually to have been good. Although the subjects of this study represent in many ways the pick of the bunch, it will become evident that these men did not act in ways significantly different to other Roman generals. The best commanders simply did the same things better than anyone else. Rome's generals were shaped by practical experience and common sense, two elements which no system of producing leaders or managers should ever neglect. History concerns the actions and interactions of human beings, and as such, the study of any aspect of the past.